Hi everyone, this is Jackie Cooper with Crypto Mom 2 and I am here today with a visual digital artist who has a remarkable story and I'm so excited to be um, sharing with you today. I wanted to just for those that might not know about um, my talk show, I wanted to give a little bit of a background. Um, Personally, um, my background is that I'm an attorney, but I'm also a special educator and I'm also an entrepreneur. And I also have recently become involved in the cryptocurrency area. And I'm very, very curious about all the areas that have been developing in this um, world. And I'm excited to be exploring my own journey as well as those of others. And recently I just became um, familiar with a term that is called NFT. And I had no clue what that meant a few weeks ago, but um, I was talking to three different individuals that are gonna be coming on at some point onto the talk show. And each one of them said something about the NFT area. And so the first one I said, what is that? And um, he said, well, NFT is non-fungible token. And basically that is, to my understanding, um, a, a token which cannot be divided into pieces. So I then started to explore various um, groups and I learned that artists are also um, creating music, visual arts, everything on NFTs. And it's also a way that nonprofits are also raising money through um, auctioning off this art. So I decided to explore this because I have um, a personal interest uh, with my aunt, who's an artist that I want to create a NFT for her so she can uh, raise money for her art. But today we actually have a digital artist, Kai, who's on, who's um, based in California, but he has roots from all around the world and he's going to share his experiences and we're going to be looking at his art and learning more about this fascinating area. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. So I, we were talking off camera a little bit. I love your name. Can you introduce your full name? Because it is so, um, melodic and, 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 and artistic in its own way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, sure. My full name is Kaikani Ligo, and my first name, Kaikani, is Hawaiian for Sound of the Ocean. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, that's a little obscure, but that's my name. <laughs> and, your, and your last name has roots in which cultures? Oh, sure, yeah. So my last name is uh, Ligo, which is, uh, it's actually a Portuguese name, but it comes from my Filipino roots. Uh, so it's it's from my Filipino grandfather. That's awesome. So um, what's your background? How did you get into, we're going to be looking at your art in a second, but how did you get involved? Well, yeah, it's a little bit of a journey. I'm originally from Hawaii. I was born and raised there and uh, actually lived there until I was 30. So I was, you know, pretty set there for a while. Um, I've always been a musician and a visual artist. And, um, you know, the music scene in Hawaii is pretty, you know, it, it's nice, but it's pretty limited. It's a small little state. So when I was about 30, I moved to Los Angeles and just jumped into the music industry here. And I've been working um, pretty much in the music industry for the last 10 years. And um, just in the last uh, couple months, actually, um, I've gotten into NFTs. And uh, it's, it's like you said, it's a real, it's the wild west. It's a really interesting time for, uh, for art right now because of 
because of this market that's popped up. And it's it seems to have kind of taken the you know the world by storm because you know Saturday Night Live is making skits about it, and everyone is is seemingly asking what an NFT is. So it's it's a very fresh new time right now for sure. So um, yeah. So what kind of um, music do you play? Um, you know, I play a lot of different things right now. I'm I'm focusing mainly on electronic music that's '80s inspired. So. Uh, a term a lot of people like to use is synthwave, but that's sort of a catch-all term for uh, music that's uh, electronic and 80s and sort of, you know, like an 80s pop or a new wave sound. Um, so I do that. I just released a record of, of that kind of music. Um, but I, I do a lot of other stuff, too. I do heavy metal and uh, rock and stuff. So it's it's kind of just depends on what, I, what I'm doing at the moment. So how did you end up getting into the cryptocurrency world and the NFT world? Sure. Well, uh, I first got into cryptocurrency a couple of years ago. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I first heard about Bitcoin when it was at $1. Oh, wow. And that that's when I remember hearing about it and thinking, wow, this is a novel thing. I should buy some. I didn't actually buy any until it, it hit about two hundred and thirty dollars per Bitcoin. You're better than and, me. I kept and, I just kept it going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and looking back now, that seems like such an outrageously uh, low value, you know. And it's it's really funny because I remember back then thinking, man, I probably missed the boat. I'm probably throwing away this two hundred dollars. It's it's going to be nothing. But I, I invested in, into that, and um, even more unfortunately, to be honest, I, I saw it rise to about $400. And about then, I found out that you could gamble online with cryptocurrency. And, you know, and I'm not really like a big gambler, but for me, it, it was still a novel thing. And I was thinking, you know, what can you really do with this? You know, I, I kind of want to spend it. I kind of want to see what I can buy with the Bitcoin. So I, I, I gambled and, and one little bit here and there, and, and then it just ended up losing it all, to be honest. So, <laughs> so, so that whole process left such a bad taste in my mouth and, and just, you know, regret that I, I kind of just tried to forget about it. Yeah. And again, that's probably not the right thing to do. And forgetting about it meant just not investing in crypto or, or paying attention to it. And then next thing you know, a Bitcoin is worth like tens of thousands of dollars, you know? So, um, so actually, the, the NFT market and this whole rise of the NFT is what um, got me back into cryptocurrency, too. And it's, it's really good. It's actually good because when you think about it, cryptocurrency is going to be the way of the future. It's, it's going to be how we make probably even simple little transactions in the future and to be familiar with it and to be investing in it. And even if you don't have a lot of money, um, just uh, like you mentioned earlier, like to open up a wallet. You don't even have to necessarily put any money into it, but just familiarize yourself with these things. Mm -hmm. It's probably way better to be doing that now than later, you know? So you decided as an artist or well, how did you learn about NFTs? Uh, well, so that's interesting too. I, I really just got a, an email from this random artist that I follow, a, a 3D artist. So, um, I, you know, I, I do a lot of different things. Primarily, I'm a musician, but I, I do graphic art and 3D animation and uh, a lot of different things, you know. So there's this 3D animator who I, I follow, and uh, on his newsletter, he sent out a newsletter that was about NFTs. And I remember reading it and not really grasping what an NFT was at all and just thinking this is – and just – I was stricken by how strange of a newsletter it was even for a 3D artist. And I was like, 
this seems really weird. It's uh, so I, I decided to look into it. And the more I looked into it, the more interesting it became. And, and soon it just dawned on me soon. I, it became clear that this is going to be how musicians and artists and creative people in general sell their, their work in the future. So, um, how did you, um, I'm going to, oops, hold on a second. Ah, let me stop sharing for a second. Um, I wish I shared the wrong screen. I'll get to your art in a second. Um, technically sometimes that mistakes do happen like that. How did you get into, um, figuring out which platform you wanted to use? Yeah. So that's another thing too, is, um, typically in, in, you know, my typical fashion, I'll, I'll just jump into the pool, into the deep end and kind of figure it out by, by drowning a couple times or whatever. So, so I really just, you know, uh, watched a couple of YouTube videos and just Googled NFT platforms, NFT markets, and, and actually made a little list uh, of all the different ones out there. And, uh, I'm, I'm actually on a bunch of them, to be honest. Um, I started with Rarible just to see how the process went. So I have, I have one thing on Rarible. Um, then I went to Ghost Market, which is a, a totally different Ghost Market that uses a different, it doesn't even use Ethereum necessarily. I have things on Ghost Market. And uh, last but not least, I'm on OpenSea, which is what we're looking at right now, I believe. Yep. And um, I published a collection on OpenSea last week. And um, I'll probably even join some other markets too, to be honest, but I figured that the best way to really learn the nuts and bolts about how they work and just the specific things that artists might want to know, like, you know, what the upload process is like and what it looks like when you sell an NFT, um, just to jump in there and just, just do it, you know? So I, I've, I've experienced a lot of those things so far on these different platforms. So um, even though I don't have a great behind the scenes technical understanding of blockchain technology and things like that, I, I think in the last couple of weeks, I've developed a decent working understanding of uh, several different NFT platforms, and especially just a lot of the questions that artists have getting into this. You know, um, you know, how much does it cost? What do I have to do? Uh, you know, how should I prepare my artwork? Those are all actually pretty simple questions, um, but you know, I, I had to kind of do it first to, to figure it out. Yeah, well, you're right. They they seem simple until you are actually in the process of um, going through a platform. Um, and when I looked into it, as you mentioned, some platforms you do have to do an initial uh, fee in order, even though different people have told me that your initial fee. Um, you can still have a, a basically an unlimited collection after your initial one. Um, so I guess it's just a question of figuring out, okay, what's the price of your first one to get it sort of low enough that your fee isn't outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I, I did, uh, for that on OpenSea was I, I just published an initial, um, like an image, just some artwork that I had done and not anything special just to get that initial transaction out of the way. So I could publish a collection. Yeah. And, um, and there's a couple of different things to keep in mind. Um, so I'm pretty sure that the initial fee is going to be the same regardless of what you're selling or how much you sell your NFT for. So you could list an NFT that you want to sell for, uh, say, three Ethereum, you know, which would be like thousands of dollars. 
or you could sell an NFT that you list for 0.0 Ethereum and it would be the same, I think, but what does make the cost go up or down are the gas fees, the Ethereum gas fees that fluctuate based on, um, on actual network usage. So that's why a lot of people, um, you know, which is really confusing too, because if you go say, go onto Facebook and say, hey, how much does it cost to open an account on OpenSea? People can't really give you a straight answer because yeah. for one person it might have been $50, for another person it might have been $150. And then to make matters even more confusing is that it actually takes two transactions to basically solidify your open your OpenSea account. What so do you one, mean by two transactions? Two sales or two postings? Um, actually, two two separate um, literal transactions within your your MetaMask wallet. So uh, and, and really, it just it, it happens with one posting, um, and again, this is why it's kind of confusing. So what you do is when you when you post something, I believe there's it basically it breaks down to the the fee when you post your first thing gets broken up into two charges. Basically, there's like an initial charge that is based on I believe opening up your OpenSea account, and then the second charge is I think some other charge with maybe actually listing the item or something. So it's for whatever reason, I don't think they can bundle them together. So it, it does come in two separate transactions and one is a lot larger than the other. So the first one is kind of like the bulk of your account, uh, I guess your account cost. And for me, I think my total cost was about $70. So the first transaction was like $59. And then the second transaction, which came, I think like 15 minutes or maybe a half hour later, was like $11. So I think that second one was more to do with the specific gas prices with um, putting something onto their their network. And the first one was more of a general fee. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, again, I, I don't really read a lot of the fine print, so I couldn't tell you exactly. And, uh, and don't quote me on any of these things. I, I'm probably wrong when it comes to the terms of service and things like that. But I can tell you for a fact that it is two separate fees they are both bundled into the same um, listing, the same initial listing that you make. And um, so, uh, and if you do read their terms of service, it'll tell you that too. It'll tell you that the fees are, I'm sorry, that the transactions do come in two separate transactions. So uh, so that's really all that is. And, uh, but, but again, that confuses some people because some people will see the second transaction and not understand that it's part of the deal basically. Yeah. And, and de deny that one. And think that, and I think that probably messes up the whole process, you know. Well, I know that in my um, in, in my initial looking, and again, it was about oh, ten days ago, so my memory is a little foggy. But the um, the actual initial uh, fee was higher, um, and like you said, it will depend upon the timing when you do it. And I didn't go through to the second one because I was trying to figure out, okay what does this mean? But for right. those that might not know what MetaMask is, that's one of the other wallets that, um, again, um, I haven't explored on the Crypto Mom show, but there's a variety of places that you can go to uh, with that. It's Ethereum-based. Um, so um, what do you know about the MetaMask that maybe you can share? Sure. So um it does seem that there, like you said, there are several different wallets. Um, I'm probably a bunch if you actually made a list of all the available ones. But it seems that um, of all the different NFT sites that I've uh, interacted with, 
they all uh, give you a couple different options, but MetaMask seems to be the, the common option among them all. So, uh, you know, you probably don't want to have more more wallets than you deem necessary or whatever. And just for convenience, um, I like to have one that I interact with, you know, different different uh, platforms with. So I, I went with MetaMask and uh, my MetaMask works with uh, OpenSea and also Rarible. Um, so, uh, and interestingly enough, it actually seems that uh, there are even other platforms that are like relisting platforms that will just pick up your account and basically like, um, I'm not exactly sure what the term is, but uh, like mirror it basically. Interesting. Like some other completely, because in my research, I found these other platforms that I'm on that I didn't upload anything to. And they're basically just mirroring uh, my OpenSea account or whatever. But but it, the interesting thing about those is when I log on to those websites with my MetaMask wallet, it basically imports like some of the information and stuff and like basically like pre uh, pre populates your account with. Uh, Are there any additional fees for being on those or no? Um, I don't think so. No, um, not that I've seen. Uh, probably if you try to list something through them exclusively, yeah. probably there would be. But um, as far as what they're doing, just the mirroring process, I don't know. So they might um, they might get a commission when it gets sold there. Uh, and they um, might have some sort of relationship with OpenSea. It sounds similar to like my podcast where um, – the more episodes I do in different uh, with different topics, um, I'm now pushed out to eight different areas, and they they're pushing it out. Um, I don't have to. So when in the um, Rarible, is there a cost for um, listing on Rarible? Yeah, Rarible is a different platform. Um, it's similar to OpenSea. Uh, the reason I didn't stay with Rarible is that. Um, their, their structure is that you pay every single time you you list an NFT. Oh wow! What what's yeah, is it a is it a lesser cost though? Well, uh, one NFT was about fifty dollars to to list there. So it, it seemed to me that it was pretty much comparable with my first uh, OpenSea listing. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it was probably about the same amount of Ethereum actually, even though the the dollar the dollar cost was more because I think the, the price of Ethereum went up. Um, but yeah, I think variable, you literally have to pay sort of like an open C, uh, initial account listing price every time you list something. So I, I don't really know what the advantage is. Maybe it's just more of an exclusive platform. That's kind of the, the vibe I got from it. And, um, you know, I, that might be good for some people or maybe some collectors or some buyers are interested in that for sure. So which other platforms have you explored? And I, I've seen Foundation. Um, I, I Someone, I think, mentioned that you uh, to, in order to get listed there, you have to have an invitation or something like that. Yeah, from what I understand, that's the case. Um, I haven't uh, been invited there, but from what I understand is that it is an invitation process. And furthermore, and again, don't quote me on this, um, I, I'm not very familiar with it, but there are a lot of people applying and a lot of invites have been given out to the point where now their invitation process has actually changed. And if you are an invitee, you now have to get votes on a board or some kind of, there's some sort of um, like voting process that your work basically has to get peer reviewed and voted up until you can actually get accepted onto the platform. Wow. Wow. So it seems, it seems very competitive. 
Yeah, now it is. Yeah. Um, so um, what about other platforms that you've explored? What do, what do you recommend to a newbie like myself who um, wants to kind of get my foot into this for someone else? Okay, well, um, so one of the third platform that I've explored quite a bit, and I would definitely recommend is ghostmarket.io. And Ghost Market is, um, they're interesting. I, I don't have a whole lot of information on the, uh, you know, the creators or the, the backstory, but from, from what I gather, it's uh, it's an upstart. And they actually are on the Phantasma network. Huh. So they, yeah, so they don't necessarily use Ethereum. You can list things in Ethereum. You can charge Ethereum. But their entire blockchain is actually Phantasma, which uses the Soul coin. And Soul is, um, from what I understand, it's it's actually like Bitcoin in that it has a, a finite amount. So um, it will experience some inflation, but the inflation right now is really low. Uh, as far as I've been dealing with it, it hasn't. It, it, it's about a dollar. Uh, I want to say maybe like seventy-five cents for one Soul coin, and um, it's been pretty stable. And the other interesting thing is that um, because of this, the low inflation and the general low prices, it, it's really cheap to list there. So that's another um, complaint I hear among uh, artists is people are saying, where can I list for free? Where can I list for relatively low cost? And uh, the answer to that is basically uh, listing on a non-Ethereum blockchain. Because uh, if you do that, then you, you avoid the high gas prices and the high um, you know, network usage. Of course, the drawback to that is that you're you're listing with a coin that just doesn't have a lot of people using it. There aren't many adopters, you know. Yeah. So, so um, that is a drawback. But um, you know, like, but with Ghost Market, it seems like they're making a big push to not only uh, capture a bunch of musicians and artists and have them on their market, but they're making a push to make Soulcoin more of a, a adopted thing. So. We'll see with that, and I'm I'm sort of putting um, a couple eggs into that basket for sure, you know, because I like their market, and I think that they're doing a pretty good job of of being very friendly towards musicians, and definitely, um, you know, being me being a musician, you know, that's that's interesting. So, so one of the things that I'm going to mention to everyone, um, even though you know we sort of have mentioned it at the beginning, uh, neither of us are financial advisors, and so everything that we're sharing simply our opinions and based upon our own personal experience and you need to do your own research. But again, um, for musicians, um, how have you actually uploaded? Um, I know you've done digital art. Have you uploaded some of your music to a token as well? I have actually, I've uploaded quite a few songs <laughs> and um, that's the cool thing is I've sold uh, at least one song on ghost market. And um, you know, I, I sold it for about like, twenty dollars thirty dollars maybe something like that but it's cool just to have a sale yeah just, just to see the process and um how was you know, the process for i mean for those that might not know when you create a token it's on the blockchain right and so yes. and, and basically you're contracting that this object this art this music now is going to be transferred over to someone else so what have you found the experience to be like uh, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's really not too much different from selling a CD or selling, you know, a concert ticket or something. Um, and it's it's really painless and pretty cool. Um, you know, the, the, the funds go straight into your wallet. And um, I'm sure it's a little bit different for every platform. You know, some platforms might give you a notification. Um, Ghost Market didn't actually. And maybe that's just because they're new and, you know, their UI is, is kind of uh, being worked on. But 
but yeah, I mean, it, it, it all went through perfectly though. So no complaints, you know, you see the funds, you know, show up and you see the actual NFT transfer to another random person's account, you know, and, um, and another important thing too, to keep in mind for artists is that, um, so like you said, it, uh, NFTs operate on the concept of a smart contract, right? which a smart contract can, can really be anything you want. You can make, it's like a regular contract. You can write whatever you want. Right. But, um, it seems to be with most of these art based NFTs, there's a, a commission process built in uh -huh. where when, because, you know, as you can sell an NFT to someone online, those people can resell them too. So the idea is that if the, uh, if this buyer resells it again, you um, get a commission basically from that sale. Awesome. And actually, yeah. And you can actually choose your, your percentage, um, you know, when you're making the NFT, you know, so you can make it kind of whatever you want. The common percentage seems to be about 10%. That's really all the tutorials and guides I say, say that that's sort of the commonly accepted, um, you know, percentage. And if, if you go above that, you should definitely inform the buyer. But, um, but 10% is pretty much what most of the smart contracts kind of offer by default. And, um, so, you know, and the cool thing about that is, is coming from the music background, you see, you know, the classic thing is you have an artist, you have a band and they start out as a, as a local band somewhere and they sell demo tapes and then they become rich and famous. And then one day that, you know, that, that original demo tape or demo album is on eBay for $10,000 or something. Exactly. You know? And that kind of thing really does happen. Even to this day, that happens with new bands, you know, but the problem is bands never, you don't get a cut of that. Yeah. You know, person selling it on eBay just takes the money, you know, that's right. But with an NFT, that all changes, you know, that's kind of the cool thing about all of this is that if that uh, music gets resold down the road for whatever price you now get, um, you know, 10%. From that sale so quick question on the um because i haven't gone through the entire process yet i know i will be doing that within the next week and anyone who's listening definitely understand that there'll be contact information below so you'll be able to buy the artwork that you're learning about but you can also reach out to either of us but um is the standard language of the contract already built into the platform or do you have to think about the language that you want to attach it to your nft the standard language is built into the platform okay um, but with that said it, i would definitely advise people out there who are doing this for themselves to to read the terms of service uh even though i just earlier said i don't read terms of service i i, I do try to you know <laughs> especially when it comes to these sorts of things so definitely see um, what their standard contract is. Yeah. And that is something that you can find in the terms of service. Uh, just read what their standard um, NFT contract is because, you know, that is basically what you're giving your music to or the, the terms under which you're selling your music uh, or art, of course. So um, you're right. So uh, the beauty is you don't actually have to think about it. So you, you if you're not, you know, thinking about that you don't have to write legalese you don't have to come up with any sort of contract yourself there is a standard contract and upon uh, just me reviewing them i haven't found anything egregious or you know crazy or anything usually they pretty much just say you're selling your artwork to this person you're not transferring any rights um any uh, but you know of course any anything else you want to add on top of that is on you and you, you can do you just have to basically write your own contract and uh, and the way that actually works which is pretty simple too is if you do want to make something crazy or funky or or something extra special 
you basically just add that to the description of the NFT when you create it. Um, because that description box, um, it, it is just kind of a description box, but it's more than that. That's data that gets attached to the blockchain with the actual NFT. So, you know, that, that can be, you know, any kind of stipulation or anything that you would definitely want the buyer to adhere to legally. Um, you can put there and then that, that is there attached to the actual blockchain. So for those that might be new cause to this and trust me, I I'm new to this, but I'm trying to learn the language. And so hopefully uh, what I'm sharing um, will uh, help everyone. My understanding of blockchain, it's like Legos, one piece fits into the other. And so that's why it is really, um, hard to hide things because every piece is transparent in some way. Your personal identity might be trans uh, not transparent because it's coded with numbers, but it is a mathematical equation. It is definitely coding. So um, just like what you said, you know, if it is on the blockchain, so that means that everything is accountable um, and traceable. Exactly. So, um, and that's exciting. So, um, what's your next adventure are uh, you creating more art more music yeah yeah well um uh i definitely would actually probably i'm thinking i'm definitely going to make another collection uh connected to the collection i just released and um you, if you don't mind me talking about that a little more it might yeah. actually, uh, speak to some of your travel uh, listeners yeah so, as i said earlier i'm from hawaii and i've been living in los angeles for the last 10 years or so but uh, Hawaii is a very special place. You know, there's, it's it's literally one of the most interesting melting pots you'll ever see of uh, cultures, of just people from around the world, of, um, you know, different parts of the U.S. coming together, different parts of the Pacific Rim, basically. 